Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. Well, what's going on, folks? This is M.A. Dozier with another Nimrod Outdoors podcast, um, and I'm here with my beautiful, wonderful, smart, intelligent, red-headed wife, Chelsea Dozier, that brings all the good stuff to this podcast. Chelsea, how are you doing this morning? It's doing great until <laughs> all of all of that. Yeah. So we're sitting here by ourselves, and she's a beacon of red light because her face turned hot and red like a cherry tomato. She's embarrassed that nobody else is here to to see her. Goodness, so. well, good, good. <laughs> Man, I'm not. I still have it. I, I still can make my wife blush. Yeah. So I wanted to say good morning, and we're not supposed to do that. Yeah, well, it's okay. You've messed me all up this morning. I know. Whew, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I'm here for, babe. All right, um, so let's do a recap. But what have we been doing the past couple weeks? Oh, goodness. I don't know what have we done. <laughs> we see. had a men's fishing trip. Have we not done a podcast since then? No. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, because that was two weeks ago. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, men's fishing trip. There was a, a grandson two sons and a grandfather so three generations yeah it was pretty awesome pretty cool mm-hmm. Cool. so cool. they they came and hung out with us and uh we dove into um king david's life um oh. and how god raised him up for for uh several purposes in his life yeah uh, then they went fishing caught a lot of fish um mm-hmm. we had good food it was great um mm-hmm. it's always exciting to see a family of men getting together. Um, you know, a lot of times when we do trips, it's it's random guys that come, um, and that's great too. Um, but there's a unique, special, intimate dynamic when around a fire, you have familiarity, mm-hmm. and they're just talking about life and life that they've lived together for, you know, in this case, 45, 50 years. Yeah. Um, it, it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and then uh, this weekend, we've got three or four ladies coming down. For a ladies fishing trip. Yep. And you're going to lead them? Yeah. It's going to be fun. So what are you going to talk about? Ooh. We're going to talk about faithfulness and what faith is, mm-hmm. what it means. Dive into Mary and Martha a little bit. Good deal. Yeah. That's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, what we got for today? Uh, the Hands of a Warrior, Chapter 3. Trace, Chapter 3. Chapter 3. So the war that surrounds us. Um, so quick recap. We did chapter one and two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chapter one is the call, or excuse me. Chapter one is welcome to war. Mm-hmm. So you kind of laid out what's happening, that there is a spiritual war taking place. Um, and then chapter two is the calling of a warrior. And so now we are actually putting the characters in the setting and, and that, um, we are those warriors. We are, well, especially you men, right? You men are warriors. Yep. I'm a lady. You're a warrior princess. Warrior princess. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a couple (laughs) other chapters. Um, actually I think, uh, let's see. 
Nope. I think chapter five, we get into the ladies a little bit, but, um, yeah. So chapter three, the war that surrounds us, um, again, each one of these chapters I intentionally wrote, uh, to build on top of each other, right? Like, yeah. let's start with the building block of one. Like, what is this that we're doing? Uh, the next building block is, okay, who are the characters? Well, it, we as the men are supposed to be the warriors, and mm-hmm. God calls us and ordains us to be the warriors in the spiritual war. Yeah. So now the next block is, what is this war? Um, and I think this is a, a huge um, point of confusion inside uh the life of a believer of like, what is the war? What, what is it I'm actually supposed to be fighting for? Um, and I start this chapter off, um, with, uh, Ephesians chapter six. Um, you know, because I think Paul absolutely lays it out very clear and concise, but the problem we have in our own lives and it happens, it happens in my life. It happens in everybody's life, especially in the believer's life is we get distracted. The devil distracts us at every turn, every corner, he wants us to be less focused on Christ and what he has called us to do and more focused on these things that are going on around us. And so he creates distraction. Hmm. Um, and a lot of times those distractions become many battles or many wars in our life. But if, if we think about it, they're not pushing forward toward the end goal. It's like we're branching off and we're wasting energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I played baseball growing up. Um, I did a little bit of pitching, but one thing I remember about pitching is, um, hitting's the same way actually too. So whether you're a pitcher or a hitter, it's the same thing. Like your transfer of energy of your body movement, you want to be completely in one direction. And mm-hmm. so if you're throwing a ball off the mound, going to home plate, like, you know, you wind up and you want every bit of your energy and every bit of your body weight going toward home plate. If you overcompensate and try and throw too hard and some of your weight falls for a right-hander falls toward first base, you know, you're losing energy that direction. So that energy is actually not going toward home plate. So you're mm-hmm. going to, you're either going to, the ball is going to be a, um, not on target or you're not going to get as much, you know, speed and velocity behind the ball because you've, you've lost energy going one way or the other. Same thing with hitting. Like when you, when the pitcher's coming, you load your weight back to get ready to swing forward. But if you like rotate your shoulders too quickly and all your weights flying outward, instead of going back toward the pitcher, you're losing power in hitting that ball. Yeah. And so in my mind, that's what the devil does to us is he distracts us left to right. And instead of all of our focus and energy being pushed forward in what God has called us to do, we get caught up in these small little battles. Um, And Ephesians chapter six, you know, Paul says, he goes, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So that's Ephesians 6, 12 through 13. And man, let me tell you what, like how easy it is to get focused on fighting the flesh, fighting someone else, Mm -hmm. fighting someone that doesn't agree with us, fighting somebody that may be of a different culture or different religion or different ideology than us. When in reality, like Paul's clear, that's not who we're fighting. We are fighting the demonic forces. We are fighting in the spiritual realms. Yeah. And so... 
if we are wasting all our energy over here to the left or to the right, um, it is cheapening and weakening the pursuit that we have of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and so really this chapter for me is all about explaining like, what is that war? What is our focus? And how do we make sure that the fights that we are fighting are not just merely distractions? Because the one thing the devil will do is have us fight with everything we have for something that has no eternal purpose. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to the life of us raising our kids, uh, we need to fight for their eternal purpose. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where this chapter picks up and start, starts diving in. It's good stuff. I love the baseball analogy. It's a really good analogy. So with all that said, mm -hmm. what is our fight? Mm. Uh, so as parents, um, but really as men, husbands and fathers, our fight is to raise up our children in the admonition of the Lord. Right. Mm -hmm. And admonition is a big word that I don't even know if I fully know the definition of, <laughs> but it's in the Bible. It says admonition. Okay. To start quoting random words from the Bible. Yeah. Oh, it's, from, good. it's from Ephesians. Uh, I'll find <laughs> it. Hold on. But, but I'll read, uh, I will quote scripture that has better words that is not admonition. Maybe, Ooh, maybe. How about, how about King James version pisseth <laughs> against the wall? <laughs> No. Sorry, went way off track. <laughs> way off track. Uh, maybe you it's could look up, maybe while we're talking, you could look up the definition of admonition. But okay, okay. In Deuteronomy chapter six, uh, you know, it lays it out clearly that we are to teach our children diligently, um, and it says when we walk by the way, when we lay down, when we rise up, we are to bind them as frontlets between our eyes. They are to be um, on the doorposts of our house and our gates. And so we talk about this all the time on this podcast, like Deuteronomy 6 is the foundation of the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors in a sense of dads, parents, like this is, this is an opportunity for you to show through your life what it means to follow Jesus. But unfortunately in our culture today, we get so distracted in just trying to raise American, good American moral kids. Mm -hmm but we negate the fact of what salvation really is. And, and we get distracted. Like we're more focused on like, don't, don't, I don't want to be confusing here, but morals are important. Yes. But morals do not save you. And there's nothing wrong with having hopes and, and you know, we want our kids to be successful. Like it's okay to, to want that for our kids but we can't get distracted by it. Sure. So it's okay to want our kids to go to college or to, you know, our daughter originally wants to be a veterinarian. So, you know, of course she's a little kid and has big dreams and that's exciting. And why not, if that's something she is passionate about, we can pursue that or, you know, our kids who love sports, it's okay to pursue sports, but we can't allow that to become the focus, the main focus. And yeah, it's not primary goal. It's not the primary goal. And like we've mentioned before, like it's fine. We we want to see dads outside throwing a football or throwing a baseball with their kid. Um, but that should be like, why not talk about the Bible or getting to know your kid more during that time? Not perfecting the spiral or perfecting the change up so that they can be all stars. Sure. It's, you know... Yeah, like 
Yeah, so what is our focus? And our focus is raising our kids in the spiritual realms to follow after Jesus with all they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ephesians 6, 4 mm-hmm. um, says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Yeah. So as parents, we have a bad habit of wanting to sit back and be armchair quarterbacks and just like yell at our kids and be like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. I told you not to do this. I told you not to do that. There's time for that, right? But more, moreover, what I believe Ephesians 6, 4 is trying to say here is like, we are to walk beside them. Mm-hmm. We are to be less of a guy or less of a dictator and more of a guide in their life of like, Hey, I want you like, I think about this. If, if we're going to cross a Creek or a river, but we don't want to get our feet wet, like, I go first and then I'm standing on the other side and I'm like, Hey, put your foot right there on that rock. Okay. Now jump to this rock. All right. Come over here and do this rock. Um, that's more over what it's supposed to look like in the spiritual realms of us as fathers of we go first mm-hmm. and we're going to mess up. We're going to fail because we're flawed human beings. But then when we get to the other side of whatever barrier that was in our life, when our kids come up to that, we're able to sit there with them and say, all right, move here, move there. And then guess what? When they make a step and they go to fall, we can reach our hand out and grab them and say, Hey, you misstepped there, but it's okay. I'm here. And if they get a little wet, guess what? That's part of life. And they learn from that. We don't sit there and be like, I can't believe you got your shoes wet. Like, what were you doing? Mm -hmm. You just say, Hey, it's okay. Let's keep going. You know? Um, so that that should be the focus is bringing up our kids in the Lord and and them knowing God tremendously and then not just knowing him but how do they follow him in his in their life that's where those secondary things come in of like yeah our daughter wants to be a veterinarian um you know each one of our kids right now has a dream like well, Matthias Matthias wants to be a power ranger Matthias wants to be a power ranger yes. which hey like, I don't think we're pursuing that one. <laughs> <laughs> but if we did, how could he share the love of Jesus to the world around him with the passion of being a Power Ranger? Mm-hmm. Could he go to like Comic-Con and pass out Bibles? Hey man, people <laughs> need Jesus everywhere, right? I guess Power Rangers aren't comics. That wouldn't work. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know where they go, but they're around somewhere. <laughs> so primary is raising them up to understand who God is, that he created them with a purpose and that they love him and know him. Mm-hmm. And then after that is, okay, God has given us passions. I mean, that's how Nimrod Outdoors formed. He gave me the passion of the outdoors, hunting and fishing. But my primary focus is not hunting and fishing. My primary focus is sharing the love of Jesus. I'm just using Nimrod Outdoors, the outdoor platform, Mm-hmm. to deliver that to the sphere of influence God has put me in. Sure. And so that should be our focus. Um, you know, but talking about like... Omnimission. Ad- admonition. Ad- admonition. Admonition. You pronounce that phenomenally. Admonition. <laughs> admonition. With confidence. Okay. What, what admonition. Is, there you go. <laughs> what is the definition of admonition? Uh, an act or action of admonishing. Mm-hmm. Authoritative. Authoritative counsel or warning mm. so we are to raise up our kids in the admonition of the world of the lord so in the authoritative counsel of the lord yes um and so god's uh god's word his scripture mm-hmm. is our ultimate authority yes so we are to raise them in the ultimate authority of the lord raise them in the scriptures raise them to understand not only what the word says but how to wield the word as the sword that hebrews calls it it's yeah. a double-edged sword. 
the problem we have in our culture today talking about distractions is the devil wants us to take that sword and wield it at people mm-hmm. and cut people down. Yes. But that's not what Jesus yes, called yes. us to do. He called us to go love. Mm-hmm. He didn't just say love the people that love you. He said love your enemies. He says that as you give like grace, it's like heaping coals on your enemies. Like we are to love above anything else and just show them, hey, Jesus died for you on the cross. I don't know why he died for me because I'm a black-hearted sinner. And I don't know why he died for you because you're a black-hearted sinner. But he died for us. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners. And so we need to understand we are all destined to hell without the supernatural intervention of Jesus in our lives. And so the problem the church has today is we think we're all high and mighty and holy because God somehow decided to be gracious to us and redeem us out. And so we look at the unredeemed that Jesus still died for, that he would love to have redeemed. And we're like sitting behind the gate yelling at them, telling them how they're wrong. Well, guess what? Romans 5, 8. God didn't sit there and tell us, this is how you're wrong, fix your life, and then I'll redeem you. It says while we were still sinners. Yeah. So as Christians, are we fighting against culture? Because we're like, that doesn't look Christ-like. Of course it doesn't look Christ-like. It it's it's the world and i'll be honest with you not a single one of us inside the church are christ-like mm-hmm. because we are still sinners he died for us while we were sinners and once he redeems us there is a sanctification process and there's a process in which he starts molding us more into his image yeah. but we don't get to perf- perfection christ-likeness until we die and go be with him And so there are still areas in each and every one of our lives, whether you've been a Christian for 90 years or you've been a Christian for one year, you don't instantly become perfect in Christ. There's still flaws. There's still nastiness. So um, I was doing this. I'm doing a Bible project study, Mm -hmm. like it's studying the whole Bible. But um, if you don't know anything about the Bible project, it's really cool because it actually has these like paraphrases summaries like breakdowns visual breakdowns of each each book of the bible like little videos yes they're pretty cool because it's like they're drawing it out some of them are not all of them but yeah some of them are like that and so like you know i'm in isaiah now and when i had started isaiah i had like a a breakdown of isaiah so like going into it i knew kind of a brief summary of what i was going to be reading but they highlight some pretty cool things so I, i really enjoy it but um they also do like breakdowns on on words and so they had just broke down talking about the word holy and um and just two examples he had used in this breakdown that just like really stuck in my mind and one of them is how we just don't understand god's holiness um and so he compares holiness to the sun and like here on earth we're exposed to the sun like we can get sunburned if we're out in the sun too long. Um, but generally, I mean, I guess unless you have no access to water or something, but the sun wouldn't kill you here on earth. But like if you were able to fly and you started to move toward the sun, the closer you got, like the more dangerous the sun becomes. And at some point it would kill you. And so God's holiness is the same way. Like, and you had, we were talking about this before and you had made a really cool point on, um, just how we need to fear the Lord because like his holiness itself is deadly. Mm-hmm. Like he is so holy that it's deadly. And we want to sit here and be like, Oh, God's all love and God's, you know, like, yeah, he is love, but 
he is so holy that getting too close to him or looking directly at him would kill you. I mean, we've seen that multiple times through the Bible. Um, so I think we just underestimate what God's holiness means. But then on the side note, so in Isaiah, he has this vision and I'm going to totally butcher the name of it, but it's an Ephraim or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a six winged figure with a face and it's covered by wings and all this stuff. And anyway, so like it flies over and it has a coal and he touches that burning coal to Isaiah's lips. And the analogy they used with that is of course, like nobody really understood what that vision was until Jesus came. I mean, there was lots of visions from the prophets that like were fulfilled and came to understanding when Jesus came to earth. Um, but something that was really neat that they talked about was how like we just have the wrong perspective with lots of things and how Jesus was walking around and healing people. And the way we see it is like, oh, like Jesus is removing sin or he's removing iniquities or, you know, like he's removing stuff from these people. He's removing the illness. He's removing things. But that wasn't the case. What was actually happening is a little bit of God's holiness was going from Jesus to them. Mm. And how cool is that transformation? Like just a tiny bit of God's holiness to be able to just wipe clean the the disease that they had or the sure. the struggles they were having. Um, I don't know. It's just yeah, really and, cool. And that's that's the process of sanctification that we were just talking about. Like, you know, it takes God, Jesus's supernatural intervention in our life. Um, and it's a process. We will not be fully sanctified until we're in heaven, right? Um, but talking about God's holiness, and like, I think a lot of people, when you, when they're going to listen to this and they hear you say, like, God's holiness is deadly and dangerous, mm-hmm. they're going to be like, wait a minute. But go back to the Old Testament. I mean, we've talked about Uzzah and the Ark of the Covenant here. Yeah. Like, God said, do not touch this because this is where I reside. And Uzzah touched it probably yeah. in good. <laughs> And, and good heartedness. Like it, the oxen stumbled and he went to catch it so it didn't fall dead as a doornail in that instant right there. Yeah. There was no like, Uzzah, why'd you touch that? Okay, now you're going to die. No, it was instantaneous mm-hmm. because that's the holiness of God. Mm-hmm. It cannot come in contact with anything that is unclean. Yeah. Um, and that's that, if you can wrap your mind around that, I don't even know if I could fully wrap my mind around it, but if we could wrap our mind around that, it shows that Jesus is, or, or God's grace to us and his forgiveness to us for our sins through the death of Jesus is even more miraculous mm-hmm. because he found a way to reconcile us back to him when in any other way we would have, like we're dead because of his holiness and our unrighteousness. Yeah. Um, and so at the end of the day, like, we need to focus on God and who he is and what he has called us to do. Um, and when we look at the world, we don't need to look at these people that are of different religions, different nationalities, different sexual preferences, different cultures, different ideologies, and look at them and be like, oh my gosh, like you're totally against the Lord. Well, so are we. Like yeah. our, our lives are, like we are wrathful, sinful creatures. Yeah. I mean, the truth like, is like... That it, we can't change them. Mm-mm. We can't go in and be like, oh, your sin is wrong. Like, okay, well, my sin is wrong too. Like, every one of us are sinners. All of our sin is wrong. Mm-hmm. The, the, and we can, 
we can change. And you say this in the book, like we could do everything we can to change their sin or change the way they're living their life. And we might not like it. So an alcoholic, we might try to make them a non-alcoholic. We might try to sober them or a homosexual. We might try to make them straight. Okay. What does that do for their eternity? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. It's just behavior modification. Yes. Because uh, I was actually just having this conversation yesterday with a guy like, take any sin you want, right? The hot topic sin right now in the the Christian world and the world today is, um, you know, the LGBTQ plus community, right? Mm -hmm. That's the hot topic. But I was having a conversation with a guy and we need to stand on truth that that is sin. Yeah. But so is, so is my gossip. So yep. is my pride. So is anything else. So mm-hmm. that is the hot topic one, but you could take any sin and say any sin that's out there. If somehow we could eradicate that sin nature out of an individual, just that one sin. So for the LGBT community, say there was a homosexual and somehow we could make them no longer homosexual. Did we actually do anything for their eternity? And right. the answer is no, yep. they are still a sinner because of their pride or because of their gossip or because of their selfishness. Like we can't pull, like we can't just behavior modify people to become saved. Right. Like it takes the, again, the supernatural intervention of Jesus. And we can't save them because only Jesus can do that. Right. But what we can do is show them Jesus. And, and, and share with them the love Jesus had for, had and has for them. Yeah. Um, And that's what I, you know, in the book, you're right. I say like, there is no, like, I feel like a lot of the Christian culture today feels like their number one defense in, in like fighting for the kingdom of Christ is inside a voting booth, but there's no political agenda. There's no political party. There is no law. There is no edict that can be brought down by man that will change the heart of an individual. Only Jesus can change the heart of the individual. And so that's where I feel like uh, we get distracted. That's where I feel like uh, the devil has distracted us immensely, especially in America, of thinking like we have to fight against this and we have to fight against that and we have to fight fight against this. And yes, I look, there's a lot of social injustice in the world that I hate. And I'm all for trying to reconcile that social injustice, sex trafficking, you know, all this stuff. Like... Ah. That's, yeah. It puts a pit in my stomach. But if we rescue these girls out of sex trafficking or these boys or anybody, or child trafficking, we rescue them, but we don't share the love of Jesus with them, they are still eternally destined to hell. So we save them in the physical world, but we're doing nothing for the eternal life that they can have if they understand and can feel the love of Jesus. And so that is our main focus is not their physical physical healing, mm-hmm. um, but their spiritual healing. Um, and we see this in Jesus' uh, is Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well, right? So Jesus was a Jew. Mm-hmm. The woman at the well was a Samaritan woman. And in that time, in that tradition, in that culture, Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Right. And Jewish men did not associate with women, Samaritan women. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus breaks all traditional barrier, all religious law, as you might say, goes up to this woman. And not only is she just a Samaritan woman, she's a promiscuous Samaritan woman. Like she's had multiple husbands. Mm -hmm. Um, And he goes up to her, talk to her. And what's amazing is like the disciples were like, what's going on? Like, 
are you okay, Lord? Like, why are you talking to her? Like, why are you associating with her? Yeah. And he's like, no, Jesus saw her as a daughter of Christ. He didn't see her as who she was. And he confronted her sin. You know, she was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I've had many husbands and, or he said, you've had many husbands. Like he knew her sin, Yeah. but he still interacted with her and he still showed the love. And he even just said like, draw me some water. And he was like, but the water I give, you'll never be thirsty again. And that's what the church needs to do is people that don't fit the traditional mold of what you think church should be or Christians should be people that don't fit the mold of, of this is what a church person is supposed to look like. Well, Jesus interacted with those people because he said, like, I've come for them, mm-hmm. you know? And so as we're of the church, are we getting distracted in going into the voting booth and voting a certain way, thinking, pat myself on the back, I did my Christian duty, when in reality, Jesus said, I, I, I don't care about the laws. Yeah. I care about that person and their soul. And so are we able to go into these places and interact with people that are ultimately lost because we were ultimately lost yeah. and God came down and rescued us because someone shared the good news with us. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's the I main, mean, he, t- he tells us like give Caesars what, what is his. And he never came down here. I think everyone thought like Jesus is coming down to become the King. Cause yeah, he, he was, but their idea was like, Oh, he's going to come overthrow Rome and he's going to be like King of Rome. And and you know, whew, good for us. And no, it had nothing to do with the political side. Like, yeah. so Jesus's fight was for against religion and um, and for the individual soul. Yes, and for the yeah. Okay, so so his fight was also for the individual soul, and he was pursuing people. He wasn't pursuing, like you said, like the woman at the well. He wasn't pursuing her sin. He wasn't trying to like convince her she is wrong and and condemning her and like really it was just I'm here for you I love you I know what you've done I forgive you sin no more mm-hmm. I mean it wasn't it wasn't this big sit down let's let's talk about everything you've done wrong like she's a sinner go off and sin no more yeah like turn to me focus on me quit focusing on all the other things and and don't allow the world to distract you and we need to have that same approach. Um, Jackie Hill Perry. So she has reels that she's dropping all the time, and that girl is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love her. Um, but she talks about this one instance where, because okay, well, real quick, Jackie Hill Perry's story is she had a really, really rough childhood. Um, she becomes lesbian and is living out the lesbian lifestyle. And out of nowhere, God begins to convict her. And it's a huge struggle for her um, because she's like, I, I enjoy this life. I don't want to give this life up. But the convictions are harder and stronger to the point where she ends up turning from it all and goes to church and completely, like now she's married with kids. And, um, and only Jesus did that. Like it, it wasn't people in her life who were doing that. Like Jesus transformed her. Um, but... So now she's got she's got a book that's her testimony and all that, but she's dropping reels all the time. And one of her reels just recently, she's talking about like, okay, I like if she has homosexual friends, like it's not let me bring this person to church and be like, oh yeah, here's my gay friend. Like, no, they are a person. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like they don't want to be introduced as your gay friend. I mean, that's like saying, oh, here's my glutton pastor or yeah. here's my, my lying husband. Like <laughs> we're not going to go around and point out everybody's sins. Like sin is sin. God sees all sin as sin. And we need to really try to mold our mindset to the same thing and quit categorizing it and making that sin worse than this sin. Or, you know, like just because homosexuality is in the media right now doesn't mean, and that's the hot topic or the LGBTQ community, like that's not, that doesn't need to be our focus. Like that is a distraction Mm -hmm. from the devil. We need to be focusing instead on how can we go out and love people yeah, and how can we show them Jesus. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So, well, and that, that's an external struggle of the church, right? Cause yeah. those struggles are outside the church, sure. but there's also struggles inside the church Distractions in the church that yeah. the devil hits. And man, it's like you, if you can remove yourself from the, the insanity of it, you could see how insane it is. But mm-hmm. like for years, churches have argued and debated over church, uh, chairs versus pews. Mm-hmm. What color the carpet should be? Yeah. Should we have coffee on services or not? Um, you know, we need to build uh, new buildings. We need to build new buildings or not? Or where should the money go or not? Or um, you know, they these things are so minute because it's not about pews or chairs. It's not about carpet color. It's not about paint color. It's not about do we add a new wing or not? Do do we have coffee or not? Do we change? Here's another big one that I get been out of shape of what kind of music do you have mm-hmm. like is, is it old hymns you know do you have a drum set do you have a bass guitarist do you have like lights aren't, aren't drums from the devil <laughs> do you have lights and fog machines like where do you go and there's people on all sides of those camps that are adamantly passionate about fighting that fight yeah and in reality that does nothing for the in- eternal soul mm-hmm. and so here's my thing i, I tell people all the time I, I prefer contemporary worship, but one of the greatest worship moments I've had in my life Africa, was when we were in Africa. We had no idea what they were saying. There was multiple languages being sung around a bonfire. Mm-hmm. There was no, no music except for like kids, like drumming on a log. Like making like drum music. They had, they had some, st- they had like just random. Yeah. Like whatever they could find, whatever they, they could find on to buckets. hit on buckets. They were making noise mm-hmm. and they were, and it was a group of Muslim kids that had spent a week with us. Mm-hmm. And we had what 70 something kids give their life, give to, the their Lord. life to the Lord that, that weekend. Yeah. That week. And they were in their own language. I'm getting yeah. so bumps this thing. In too. their own language. <laughs> Dancing around this bonfire, singing, I have decided to give my life to Jesus. Yeah. There was no, there was no air conditioning. We were in the middle of the jungle of Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. That is the greatest worship experience I've ever had. I didn't need contemporary music. I didn't need a hymnal. I didn't need anything. All that was needed there was the Holy Spirit. Makes me so teary. I think about it because I like, I remember just, so I, I just, I remember sitting on, this bench and just watching those kids dancing and in this exact moment, like I can feel the exact temperature and everything. This moment just sticks in my brain so hard and goodness <laughs> <laughs> trying to hold it together. Um, and there's this little boy who was on my team and his name was Muhammad and he had no shoes on his little feet. He had just 
this brown shirt and shorts that I think he had wore the same outfit the whole week and it was dirty and just little holes in it. And he was Muslim. And he was just sitting there with this huge smile on his face watching those kids sing. And it was like, wow. Like the reality of what he was going back to. And those kids were going, if, if they authentically gave their life to Jesus, if, which authentically, we hear, we struggle with that word authentically because sometimes it's just to do it because we think we should do it or whatever. Like there it is authentic. If they're giving their life to Jesus, like they have stuff to lose because those kids are going home to their families. And this, this kid's like six or seven, like he's Ridgely's age and he's going home to tell his family that he's choosing Jesus and they're going to kick him out. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to be kicked out of his, not even his home, but his whole village, the place that he's grown up in and the only place he knows, like he's going to be told to leave. Yeah. And it's worth it to him. And he has a smile on his and face. And he has a smile on his face knowing what's about to come. Yeah. That's the fight we fight. Yeah. Let's not get distracted with other things. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. Like, we're so focused on all those things when that that little boy, like, is that not what we want for people? Yeah. To, to be so in love with Jesus that it doesn't matter what tomorrow has to bring. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what other people think or are going to think or the fact that he's going to have to tell his family goodbye for the last time and and move on to pursue Jesus. That'll preach. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I still go back to that moment all the time and knowing what those kids are going to step back into and they are publicly actively in front of in front of a bunch of other kids that didn't give their life to the Lord that are in their village that mm-hmm. is going to go back and be like hey he gave his he he gave his life to Jesus we need to get rid of him yeah um and there was countless stories of kids over the years at this camp that the missionaries then brought in because they had been kicked out of their village so um i think we can end on that but i want to end okay. with this <laughs> um i end this whole chapter with with this uh with this paragraph and i say the devil is a crafty deceiver his half truths are music to the flesh but cancer to the soul fathers when it comes to your children don't believe the lie that a well-behaved child is secure in the salvation of the lord instead invest your child invest in your children's lives and examine their hearts I would much rather have a child who tests my authority every day, but who will rest forever in the salvation of the Lord than a child who is well-behaved but destined to eternal suffering. As we lead our families, may we firmly plant our feet on the truth and break barriers by showing love, mercy, grace, and hospitality to all of those who cross our path. Do not allow the devil to deceive you and tempt you into a fight that is merely a distraction. The biggest impact you can have upon the world will happen inside the walls of your home. Let us fight the good fight and make sure we are fighting the right fight. Some fights were never meant for us. Um, Yes. And so let's fight for the souls. Yes. Let's not fight for the comfortability and the tradition. Amen. Stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing. Y'all have a great day. See ya.
Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day and we hope to see you next time.